Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. I will be continuing the conversation I had last week with Dr. Romani Dervasala. If you have not heard the beginning of this conversation, please go to last week's episode, get caught up, and then join us here today. Before we continue that conversation, if you are struggling with a relationship where a man is exhibiting abusive behaviors like lying, gaslighting, manipulation, or you're not sure if he is, you're not sure if you're crazy, Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group is the perfect place for you to talk about your situation. There are professional betrayal trauma coaches who can help you identify the abusive behaviors, help you set boundaries, and there's other women who are going through it. The coaches report back to me that the sessions are amazing and intimate and loving and validating. And if you have not seen our session schedule, please go to btr.org, click on daily support group and check out the daily session schedule. See if it would work for you. We have multiple sessions a day in multiple time zones. It is the only place on the earth where you don't have to explain what's going on. You don't have to get somebody to understand. They understand it immediately and so they can immediately help you in a really safe space. So again, that's at btr.org. Often a narcissistic man will attempt to deflect his own behavior patterns to the healthy partner, to his wife or girlfriend, causing the healthy woman to question whether it could be true, whether she herself is the unhealthy person, if she's abusive. Do you recommend any self-assessment tools to provide a reality check for a healthy woman? Yes. This pattern of deflecting their behavior to the healthy partner reflects two things. In part, it's something we call projection. So when something is uncomfortable in us, we don't like it. And so unconsciously, we're projected onto other people. For example, somebody might have a forbidden sentiment, like they have racial prejudice or something. They'll accuse someone else of being racist, you know, when that's not at all true. We tend to project those sort of uncomfortable, forbidden parts of ourselves on other people, which is projection is one of the key defenses of the narcissist. Secondly, deflection is also gaslighting. So it confuses the other person. Anything that confuses someone else and denies and twists and contorts the other person's reality is gaslighting, which is emotional abuse. So when all of that's happening, sometimes people say, you know, it's almost like my reality changed. I was getting sort of sucked into this alternate universe. If you are in a truly, truly abusive relationship, we know that one of the main tools of the abuser and the controlling partner is to cut that person off from other people, from friends, from family. Because one of the most important self-assessment tools for a reality check are the other relationships you have. The people that far predated this partner, the people who know you and love you and get you and unconditionally are behind you, that you can go and check this out and say, you know, it's interesting. My partner accused me of la la la, whatever it is. And it's not something you believe about yourself. A good, honest friend will say, yeah, sometimes you can be like that. Or they might say, goodness, no universe we occupy. Are you that thing? That's so strange that this person would say that. We all need those safe reality check spaces to go to. Like I said, in a lot of these narcissistic relationships, many times the narcissist detects that there are other people around their new partner that are going to be healthy and slowly but surely 
they distance themselves from them. They say negative things about those friends, like, oh, your friend, she doesn't have your best interest at heart, or oh, your sister was flirting with me, or whatever it may be, to create mistrust in those relationships to take away that support network. But we need those faces. Another place a person can get that is therapy. If you have a good therapist, that good therapist will give you the reality check. And if you go into therapy and say, this is what happened and it confused me, a good therapist will walk you through and say, you know, that's not been my experience of you. So it's having these kinds of, like I said, unconditional accepting spaces where your reality is not being twisted. That can be very useful. Ultimately, though, ultimately what I want for everybody is that they have within themselves a space where they know who they are. The challenge with narcissistic relationships is that narcissists prey upon vulnerable people, people who aren't cynical, people who actually have been hurt in the past. And so they believe the party line that was given to them in childhood, people with histories of trauma, all of these groups are more vulnerable to narcissists because they themselves are still doing their own work on themselves. And that's not at all meant to be blaming the victim. It's just, it's a vulnerability. It's just like people who have parents who are addicts are more likely to be addicts. It's genetic. This isn't genetic as much as what we learn. And so they know because as soon as they see that somebody's not falling for their game, they're going to get out pretty quick. Narcissists are uncanny at figuring out who a good target is and running with it. And so I think that that's another thing that it's so important, especially for young women, to do the work of knowing who they are and what they are about. The problem is many people start dating and getting into relationships long before they do that kind of inner psychological work. So they're building the airplane in the sky. You're learning about yourself while you're in this relationship, but this relationship is actually twisting your reality. What would you say to women who are worried about their abusive husband spending time with unhealthy people around him? So they're like, oh, I don't like it when he spends time with his family or these friends because they just sort of support this like entitled kind of mentality that he has. What would you say to women like that who are actually attempting maybe to isolate their abuser from the system that enabled him to be an abuser? It's an interesting idea because obviously these enabling systems around this person are adding fuel to this person's fire, right? There's no dissenting voice. They are empowering him, they're enabling him, and he gets away with it. And this can happen. I'm just going to interrupt you. In some circles called flying monkeys, right? Yeah, but flying monkeys to me are also people that a person enlists at the time a relationship ends. So the flying monkey model to me is like, let's say a marriage is falling apart or someone's breaking up. The narcissist will then go and poach everyone, even the people close to their partner, their friends, other family, and say, hey, did you know that she cheated on me? Hey, did you know that she was doing this? And so they bring everyone over to their side, and then they're all doing the bidding, like, what are you doing? Why are you breaking up with him? He's such a great guy. Or why did you do that to him? Of course he's hurt kind of thing. So they enlist people. I think that the people around them before that kind of rupture happens are just merely their enablers. One of the classical models of the narcissistic person is they're often very generous because because they use money and they invite people on trips or they buy the round of drinks at the bar. That's their way of keeping people close. It's a lot less effortful 
than having to actually listen to people. And people never want to kill the golden goose, right? So like, ah, oh, he's a good guy. He buys the drinks. That doesn't make him a good guy. That makes him somebody who has a lot of wasting money in a bar. But they then fall for that thinking, like, well, he's a nice guy because he buys the drinks. So then they can find a lot of people to enable them. It could be their boss. It could be somebody who's very powerful in a small town. It could be any number of reasons. The fantasy, though, becomes if I could just get this abusive, controlling, hostile, difficult, unempathic guy away from his enablers, he's going to turn into a nice guy. That's a fantasy. That's absolutely a fantasy. Because even a person in the midst of any group of people, if they're good and solid, that goodness and that solidness will shine through. Maybe not as brightly as it would if they were around good people, but a person who's just sort of not a nice person is going to be not a nice person. These people make his voice louder, but getting him away is not going to silence that voice. Yeah, it also made me think, as I went through that, that this is because after his arrest, he was free, quote unquote, to hang out with whoever he wanted, right? Because he had a no contact order and he couldn't talk to me and I couldn't influence him at all. And then from a safe distance, I was able to observe who he chose to hang out with. And he was just choosing to hang out with people who I thought were super unhealthy and abusive and just people I would never want to be around. And that's who he was choosing to be with when he had all these options. And so that helped me realize, wait a minute, why am I trying to get someone who is acting this way away from other people who act this way when that's really who he wants to be with? I just need to let him be free. Fly. I even told him that at the very end. I said, fly, go, go do what you want. And he refused to leave. He wouldn't leave home. So that was fun. So you acknowledge that some women may not be able to walk away and for them, managing expectations can protect them from individuals and the effects of ongoing abuse. Can you expand on managing expectations and how it can protect a victim from ongoing abuse? There's so many reasons people cannot leave narcissistic relationships, financial reasons, cultural reasons. They have children, religion, fear anxiety, and that they still actually love that elements of this person. They want to be married. Even on some of the good days are enough, they want that person around. And all of these are valid reasons. I nor anyone else can stand in judgment of that. In this group, though, I am not counting people who are victims of severe psychological, emotional, or physical abuse. Obviously, that's an entirely different game where safety becomes everything. But in your sort of garden variety, narcissistic relationship, there's a lot of reasons people stay in these sorts of invalidating spaces, and all of them valid. So if you're going to stay, though, then you've got to maintain realistic expectations. And by that, I mean, you've got to recognize this is not going to change. This pattern is how it is. So do not expect that all of a sudden, if you lose 25 pounds, they're going to be happy. When your kids are grown out of the house, everything's going to be happy. If you kept the house a little cleaner, it'd be happy. He gets a promotion. It's going to be happy. Nothing's going to change. This is who this person is. This is who they were when you met them. And this is who they are now. A lot of narcissistic relationships get worse after you have kids. So some people will say we were kind of going along and then we had kids and then it got really dark got to remember, for a narcissist, a kid coming along, kids are inconvenient, they're noisy, they're messy, they're demanding, they're magnificent, but the fact is, they're demanding. And for a narcissist, that feels not only like a competition, they're not always the greatest source of the narcissistic supply, and they pull the partner away. So that's often where a lot of narcissistic relationships start changing, and not to mention a woman who has a child 
her body changes. You know, there's a period of time where it's not what she wanted it to be. And unless she has lots of resources, she's not going right back to her pre-baby body ever, quite frankly. So all of those things can make it complicated. So in terms of managing those expectations, this ain't going to change. This is it. You are going to live a life devoid of empathy. You are going to live with someone who's arrogant. You are going to live with someone who's rageful. You are going to live with somebody who's constantly needing validation. So from what that means then is that you know that they're going to insult you. You know that they're going to invalidate good news. When you get a promotion, they should not be the first person you tell. You call your people. You call the people you trust and love and who will be thrilled for you. Call a few of them first. And then and only then you can tell your partner, oh, by the way, I got a promotion. They'll insult you. Oh, I bet it's just a new title with no more money or who cares, or that's not even that important a job. But by then you've already heard good things from the people who matter. So you've got to learn not to engage. You've got to learn to totally dial it down to make sure that you're keeping it literally all the things you talk about, the weather, the first day of school is next Wednesday. Did you see that the guy across the street got a new tractor to mow his lawn? Like, that's it. The conversation can't go any deeper than that. You want deeper conversation? You need to do it with other friends, people close to you, people you can trust. You have to engage in radical acceptance. This is how it's always going to be, much like the managing expectations. You have to get out of patterns like defending yourself. That Many times people who are in relationships with narcissists are always explaining themselves. No, 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 but actually remember, but no, 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 remember when, it, no. There's no defending. There's no explaining. You're never going to win at that game because narcissists argue like lawyers. And so you can't win. So don't bother. There's no defense. They like the argument for the sake of the argument. So don't argue with them. Set clear boundaries. Have the topics that you won't talk about. If you do have to spend a lot of time with your narcissist, create a little bit of a detox period for yourself. Do something that's pleasant for you, whether it's a meditation, a book you like, exercise, something. But understand that sadly, once upon a time, you made a choice or a choice was made for you that wasn't good for you. And for reasons that are important to you, you're choosing to stay in it. But to choose to stay in it with realistic expectations is very different than maintaining unrealistic hope that one day this is going to get better. This is like being in Chicago in the dead of February and walking outside in a bathing suit. You're going to freeze to death. You know that. You live in Chicago. It's February. You always wear a heavy coat. This is the equivalent of pulling on your coat when you know the weather's going to be cold. You know it, so you prepare for it. You don't walk outside in a bathing suit. It's the same thing with a narcissist. That makes total sense. I so appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast today. And also, I want to thank all of our listeners who come and listen and are so supportive of what we do here. Is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with since all of the listeners at Betrayal Trauma Recovery are in a relationship with a man who may not necessarily be narcissistic, but with problematic behaviors and they're going through really difficult things? Is there anything you'd like to leave them with? I want to tell them that, you know what, no matter whether you're stuck in this relationship or you can walk out, please don't lose your compassion in this. It can be so easy to become so hardened by this and so hurt by this that you don't allow other loving spaces to occur in your life. And I don't mean finding a new partner or finding a lover. I mean friends and family and people close to you. These relationships, people put so much of themselves in it that they get tunnel vision. Sadly, we tend to give 90% of ourselves to the most toxic people in our worlds and then give the 10% to all the good ones. We need to flip that math. 
give 90% to the good people and give whatever's left over to these really difficult, toxic people. I think a lot of people blame themselves for these situations. The fact of the matter is we do not do good jobs, not as educators, not as a society, not as parents, to teach our daughters to choose healthy partners. People tend to replicate their early cycles over and over again. People with authoritarian, cold, distant, abusive, admiration, validation seeking, unsatisfied parents tend to choose that in their partners. And so many people didn't get that lesson. So yeah, they threw themselves into these relationships and it's often a heavy legacy to carry, but you don't have to lose the best of yourself because you're in this. I think that we all have broader shoulders than we think and you can carry this burden and see it for what it is, find meaning in that suffering and cultivate the other meaningful parts of your life. Thank you so much, Dr. Romani. I appreciate your time. And again, I will leave all these links to the things that we talked about in the article available on our website. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We always love to hear your questions, your comments. So go to our website, btr.org, click on education. You can find podcasts with transcriptions, or you can just search Dr. Ramani Devasala or other concepts and find this episode. When you find the episode, you can comment at the bottom. We always love to hear what you think, what your questions are, maybe some of your experiences. So please let us know what you think of today's episode. I'd like to thank all of the listeners who make a monthly donation to BTR to help this podcast continue and take this message of hope and peace and boundaries to victims throughout the world. If you have not donated, please go to btr.org, scroll down to the bottom, click on make a donation and set your recurring monthly donation today. Every single donation helps isolated women find us. And until next week, stay safe out there.